What's up, everyone? I'm Catherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. Before our next full episode, I wanted to share my conversation with our threes, Mike Hearn. We sat down this week and talked about the Corda platform, the Corda network, his vision for the future of Corda, and we talked a bit about the potential future intersection of blockchain, IoT, AI, and other emerging technologies. I emphasize the word potential. A fear of mine is that listeners are going to count how many times I say interesting. Uh, I told Todd McDonald in past episodes I would try and stay away from that word, but you will see in this episode I cannot help myself. He's just so interesting, and picking his brain for this episode was a lot of fun, so I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. I'm here with Mike Hearn. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. How has your uh, last week in New York been? It's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's been really nice to visit the office and, and meet some of the customers and things as well and uh, yeah. hang out with the team. I, I would like to do it more often, really. But you know, Yeah, I know. You're all the way in Switzerland. I know. The world's a big place. You know, you don't just uh, <laughs> go from one side to the other on a whim, but... Um, it's been really good. I like, yeah, and I hope I can come out more frequently in future. Yeah, you should definitely pitch that. We like having you here. It's so funny when some people come into this office. It's like everyone swarms, like you, Richard Gale Brown, like all of the people from different offices. Everyone gets so excited to see you guys. Yeah, well, it's nice to see. Yeah, it's nice to meet everyone. And, it's also uh, nice for you to like shake, drop shake your knowledge, <laughs> shake some hands of the people who are building apps. It's really nice as well. And yeah. yeah talk to them and find out what they want and what's what's going well and what's not going well and what we can do better and stuff like that. That's always, that's always really useful as well. Yeah, that is good. Um, speaking on that, let's get a little status update with Corda. The other uh, week we announced or we launched, sorry, Corda Enterprise. So that's been yeah. great. I know you did, you've done a few presentations here in the office and all that stuff. So what's going on with Corda? Yeah. Um, well, you know, obviously, Corda Enterprise is the you know the result of two and a half years' work. That's what it's all been leading up to, mm-hmm. and um, that's been going very well. Uh, what what we've been doing a lot uh, this this you know the first two years of the project were sort of design, um, build out the features, you know, establish Corda in the market as a sort of interesting um, and unique product, mm-hmm. and then this year is really the year of maturity and stabilization and launch to production. Um, so we're we're doing a lot of work on making things like fast and robust, um, you know, making sure we, we fix bugs quickly as they come in because all, like all new software, it's got rough edges and so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, putting in place also what we, what we started work on recently, well, not that recently, but what's surfaced publicly recently and we're now doing the rest of it in public is the Corda network, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, the technical interoperability layer to allow everyone to join their nodes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we really started on this in earnest um, after CordaCon in Japan, which was really good fun, I really enjoyed it. That was that. fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got away with uh, going. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good. Well, to be- I got away with going because of all that. The fact that we—sorry, I totally interrupted you. Um, we have like this small little events team that throws these conferences, mm, and mm. it was uh, so paying for a, an economy flight from New York to, to <laughs> Tokyo. They were like, "We'll we'll take it because then we don't have to hire an <laughs> yeah, outside firm." Yeah, yeah. That was really fun, though. It was, and um, again, it was it was very interesting to meet the um, the people building apps or considering building apps in the local market and seeing, in particular, Japan is such a different market to mm-hmm. um, Europe or America. The requirements around local are quite different and, and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, at that point, we, we started talking to people about, the, in particular, the legal and um, 
uh, not exactly political, but like the governance aspects of the quarter network. So how mm-hmm. how do we make it so that people trust it and it's not too controlled by R three? We started working on it then, and now it's all taking place place in public, and we're debating. Uh, really quite um, fine details of how this is all going to work, like the exact amount of time you can be offline before you're evicted from the network and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, we're setting all these policies, putting in place a constitution and um, like an elected board and, a fa- and an independent foundation so that we can potentially be kicked out of our own organization, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be interesting if that ever happens. Um, it can, according to what, we've, what we're putting in place, but I hope it, obviously hope it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers <laughs> to, crossed. To put it mildly, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, but it's important that it can, because that way, uh, that's what gives people the security to know that this, um, this, is, genuinely an, this is actually genuinely about interoperability and making it work uh, for everyone. And it's not um, a sneaky backdoor path to try and you know, extract lots of revenue from them in future and things. So we, we wouldn't even have pricing power over, over the quarter network. Yeah. So th- wow. there's a lot going on. Um, I would have actually liked that to kick off earlier. We're a little bit behind where I wanted to be with that, but um, you know, we're, we're making very fast progress now, and um, I'm looking forward to getting the quarter network launched and, and live and operational really soon. Yeah, it's good that we're publicly talking about it now because I know there's been so many conversations in the works. Also, on Corticon, I feel like you're really in your element when we have these Corticon days. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, I, you know, again, I like. Um, I like the meeting people aspect more than the getting up on stage and talking aspect. To be yeah, honest. but you do really well on stage. Um, well, it's what I what I find easiest is when the audience is quite clear. So you know, in in Quarticon in Japan, there was one day for everyone. Yeah. Um, and then the bigger ones we have in London um, have a biz day and a dev day. Yeah, which is on September twelfth and thirteenth. Sorry, I had to yeah. go in there. Uh, so yeah. Sign thank up. you. Thank you. For, <laughs> yep. Thank you for the dates. Um, and um, you know, I'm I'm happy. I, I I love talking to people on the business side, and I especially love talking to developers. What makes it a little bit hard sometimes, and I was at a conference yesterday um, talking, and what is a little bit hard sometimes is like um, when the audience is very mixed. Totally. And then you have to try and come up with content that's ideal for both. So I think what we're doing in September with separating it is going to be um, ideal. I think that's the right way to right way to do it. And uh, oh, good. I've actually got to write my talk soon. I've got to yeah. <laughs> decide what, what we're going to talk about and what I'm going to um, do in, in my talk at the end of the at the end of the day. Yeah, that's going to be really a, a great event. We're um, I've kind of stepped away some, from some of the tactical event stuff, but I've helped out with like the marketing and all that. And we're like stepping up our game a lot. We have an app, and you can ask questions. Oh, wow. we do? And the app, yeah, it's going to uh, be okay. all branded. Awesome. It's going to be really cool. So hopefully that's a, a, yeah. a good experience. Yeah, there's for you. the step up in you know we've only had a few of these, but the step up each time in size and professionalism and the amazing stuff that comes with it has been quite noticeable. That's scaled very fast. So. That makes me so. I'm happy. looking forward to it. <laughs> I know it's it's so funny because I've been um, involved with all of the events. Uh, I'm pretty sure every single member conference that we had, and then Corticon and. Uh, it's so funny because everyone's like, this is great. It's seamless. And the events team is like pulling out our hair yeah, and going crazy. That's, that's always how but it is. But apparently it's, it's, we've been pretty successful with our resources. Yeah, it'll be all right on the night. That's the same, yeah. It? Yeah, um, it's good. Yeah. It's a good so, place um, to, to yeah. meet people. Yes. And um, also to, uh, to, to do good, good talks for developers on the technology as well. So we're, yeah. like, like what we did uh, uh, last time, we'll be having a bunch of developers and also app developers talking and um, – you know, getting through some of the changes we've made to the platform in the past uh, year. Oh, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yay. Well, that will be fun. So I want to hit on a little bit uh, what you had talked about in the office the other day, if that's okay, about decentralization. Mm, sure. Um, that presentation was so interesting. Yeah, I, like, I well, was like, my, my mouth is not, open the entire a, time. It's not one I've given publicly, so the, the listeners yeah, won't have yeah. any idea what you're talking no, about. No, I there. know. Okay, yes. It, it was, and I yeah. wanted to record it just for like our internal oh, uh, yeah, stuff, sure. and I wish I did. Okay, but so, basically, Mike gave a presentation on like the history of decentralization and all this stuff, and obviously you can explain it way better than me. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that stuff? Um, yes, sure. Yeah, maybe I should do a version of the talk publicly. So it was it was about um, some of the history of Bitcoin and projects before that, um, projects for around decentralization that predated um, the blockchain. Because people have been building centralized and decentralized systems for decades, and many, well, on the internet for decades. Um, yeah, and it was a collection of stories about some of those systems going back to really early days, like um, Mojo Nation, which is probably something. Most listeners have never heard of, but if you look it up, I'm not even sure it has a Wikipedia page. It is so old. <laughs> um, but you can find that information there. And that was a peer-to-peer network with a digital currency um, way back in the, the first years of the millennium. Um, and it sort of predated Bitcoin, so it didn't have a blockchain, um, but it did have a cryptographic currency using a thing called Charmian Blinding. And um, uh, there were other projects like... Um, the the Ripple before Ripple, when it was just one guy called Ryan Fugger and it was a little open source project. The, the, the modern Ripple is very different, but um, that that iteration of the name um, predated Bitcoin. So there was a yeah, it was a discussion about some of that and some of the um, the ways in which centralized and decentralized systems compete and, and can work very well, or or not, as the case is sometimes. Yeah, it was a really good, interesting talk. One of my favorite parts. I mean, I have so many favorite parts. I was my my mouth was like gaped open the entire time because I think you're just you've done so many cool things. But uh, when you said with Bitcoin, you wanted you're like, well, I, I needed to get a beer at the pub, so yeah, and yeah. I couldn't bring my computer around, so yeah. I developed an app for it, like a for your phone. I was yeah, like, not, I wish I could do that. Not in the pub. <laughs> In the pub, I had to have my laptop open for an hour because that was the only way to send bitcoins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't very fast. And that's so funny. I wish I could solve some of my problems by being like, oh, I'll just build it. <laughs> I, I well, I, I couldn't even do it alone, right? I worked with a guy called Andreas Schildbach on that because it was too yeah. big of a project for me alone. Um, but yeah, the first time, I remember the first time I uh, used that app to... Uh, to buy a beer. I was like, finally, <laughs> it took that a year. So funny. <laughs> Victory. Yeah. yeah, what's the first thing that you ever bought with Bitcoin? Is it a beer? Oh, the first thing, I, you know, I should remember this. Um, it, I have a, f- oh, what was it? <laughs> I have a feeling it was something online. You could buy socks at one point. One of the first things that was sold online for Bitcoin was um, socks. <laughs> so random. <laughs> Yeah, made of llama wool, something oh, like that. Or um, it's nice socks. <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't a llama. It was some some animal. Um, alpaca. Sorry, it was alpaca, alpaca socks. Yeah, and um, there was just a farm run by a guy somewhere in the states who just discovered Bitcoin really early, and that was what his company made. And so the, everyone was buying these socks from Bitcoin. That's so funny. <laughs> and then um, yeah, and then the little things in place. person. Yeah, so I did a lot of, t- of things. I had friends who used Bitcoin too, and we would do things like split, uh, you know, um, restaurant bills where I'd pay him in Bitcoin and he would pay for the whole meal and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. So just little things like that and then um, I bought a lot of these. I bought a giant shiny metal Bitcoin. <laughs> like 25 <laughs> Bitcoins in, in like a an actual coin shaped thing which I'm sure many people, many listeners have seen those. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. 
Yeah, the guy who made them got told to stop by the U.S. government, actually. Really? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. You're not allowed to mint your own coins. Oh, that's so funny. I don't think we can even talk about all the cryptocurrencies and whatever, but I just because I wanted to get involved, I got, like, the littlest bit of a Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, I don't even have a full one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's so funny because I just wanted to get involved, and yeah. that was, like, before it all, like, went crazy. Um, but yeah. one thing that came of that is that now... All my friends who didn't know what I was doing, they were like, what are you working? Are you just working on, like, a cloud thing? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, because yeah. I don't want to explain it. Now they actually know what blockchain is. Yeah. So that's a big benefit from the Bitcoin e- bubble. Yes, yes. Everyone day. heard of it. Everyone knew about it. Um, that's the incredible thing. I always assumed if that had ever happened at all, right, which it wasn't at all clear in the beginning that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh, it would take 20, 30, 50 years yeah. right, for everyone to have heard about Bitcoin. And in, in the end, it took, like, Five years or something, five or six years, so which is incredible. Crazy. Incredible how fast things can just, you know, travel around the world like that these yeah, days. Yeah, especially with the internet and like social media, it's so crazy. Yes, yeah, I, I think we all underestimated um, how fast these things could happen. Actually, that was that was the, the one of the lessons that I took away from that time. Yeah. And, and and now it's happening again. Quarter is you know it's been two and a half years, which isn't that long actually in the grand scheme of things. And there are you know lots of projects happening, and and I meet people all the time that I've never heard of their company before, and they're telling me they're building apps and things. So yeah. that's also like, yeah, it just um, it's amazing how fast things can happen these days. Yeah, that's one of the cool things um, just about what we're doing. Um, I some a family friend came up to me and was like, "Oh yeah, like we're building an app on Corda," and like just casually said it about his company that I had never heard of. I was like, "Have you talked really? to anyone at R three? Like, what?" You? And he's like, "No, we're gonna have to reach out to them at some point." I yes. was like, "That is so interesting." You just randomly bumped into this person. He was a family friend. Yeah, he was just like, friend, "Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, huh. this is what we're doing." Um, I was yeah. like, "Do you want me to put you in touch with someone? <laughs> You're doing right. this all on your own." Yes. It's very clear there's a lot there's a lot of uh, the iceberg is beneath the water because you can, we can see yeah. you know in the public slack channels people coming and asking questions and it's new people every day and um, you know lots of people asking questions about apps and um, it's clear that they're not all talking to us except in this very casual sort of you know anonymous turn up ask a question disappear again kind of way so yeah. there's definitely a lot going on we don't know about but that's good that's a sign of a of a healthy platform yeah definitely so should what would you say like, what's your future vision for Corda? I feel like that's a very loaded question. But. Well, it, <laughs> it, it's a very large question. Yeah. <laughs> How much um, time do you have? I, well, I'll probably, um, you know, so this sort of thing, um, covering different aspects of the future vision is very often what I end up talking about um, at conferences. So I'll probably uh, be talking about this at, um, uh, at CordaCon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, what we, I think what we could see in future is um, – Quarter start to uh, become a f- it become not not seen as a, a blockchain system, but as a general framework for business and a framework for decentralization of business. And I sort of touched on this mm-hmm. a little bit in the the history talk that I gave you guys in the office the other day about how um, you know I tend to I tend to see it more as decentralization rather than blockchain because I've been involved in these other projects that were also about decentralization before Nakamoto even existed. So um, I think that's one of the directions we're going to go. And I think there'll be more and more features for integrating um, the global ledger with the rest of the business. Uh Um, A lot of features around um, 
making it easier and faster and cheaper to build this kind of business software. It's still far too expensive, in my view, to build a Cord app. And that's not a knock on Cord. Our competitors are the same. It's really just too expensive to build a decentralized app or to build business software in general. I feel like, um, you know, in particular, um, I, I've written on my personal blog some of the things I'm not so keen on. The web, for example, as a way, web apps as a way of doing user interfaces. I think there's a lot we can improve there. I think we can give mm-hmm. pr- developers tools to build um, apps like maybe twice the speed they currently do. I wow. think that's completely achievable. And over the over the years, I think what's going to happen is as we add more features to Corda, um, you know, it, it, uh, the node could become like the beating heart of a company. Um, co- you know, coordinating um, different departments, coordinating employees, coordinating that company with other companies, but also being a sort of an engine where business software can be put and benefit from all these services that just make companies' lives and developers' lives easier. That was a very good answer. Okay, that's that's a that's a fine. It's a bit vague. I mean, like I said, when yeah, I yeah. when I give a if I, if, when I have well, a chance to do a formal talk, I would go into more detail on some of that. Yeah, stuff, yeah, but, um, that's the drive. That's yeah. the the preview to the Cordcon uh, yes. presentation. Yeah, maybe. sure. Oh, now, now I know what my talk's <laughs> going to be about. Yeah, I suppose. I like, now I'm you. committed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, since you obviously uh, focus a lot on emerging technologies, yes. Um, can and we haven't. I don't even know if I. You've talked about this ever, so excuse me if I am just throwing this up at you. Like, what could you see an interaction between blockchain and artificial intelligence? And uh, like, what would that? I, I have look talked like? about this actually. I t- oh, <laughs> now I'm shamed. No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually talked about this as an external conference in London called COGX, um, and okay. I haven't actually. That was so. When I arrived mm. in New York this week, I, I gave people a, a poll on like what talk do you want to hear that I've given to other companies oh, yeah, or other yeah. organizations. And blockchain and AI didn't quite make the cut this time, but maybe next time. So the, this talk that I gave on blockchain and AI, that's what the, it was about. It started by saying, you know, you have to be so careful of taking new ideas that are emerging at the same time and just assuming they must be related because they're yeah. coming along at once. So I, I got a question at this conference I was speaking at the other day, um, blockchain and IoT, the Internet of Things, embedded microcontrollers, how does it all work? Can to do this. Mm-hmm. And frankly, um, I mean, yeah, in a sense, it can, of course, you, it's all software, you can join these things together. Um, the, but I think that I wasn't quite sure how to answer that question when it was asked, because, um, uh, you know, blockchain in the sense of synchronizing organizations together doesn't really have much to do with like, um, the, the, the device he gave me as an example was a thermostat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know if a thermostat should really be on the global ledger. I'm not sure it has really much business <laughs> being there. Um, but uh, I think you can get quite interesting mixes of these things, but you very rapidly get into sort of Black Mirror-esque science fiction. So um, <laughs> I've given a talk in the past, and it's on, that one's on YouTube. You can go find it about um, self-driving cars that have Bitcoin wallets, because at the time I gave that talk, I was working on Bitcoin. Self-driving cars that have cryptocurrency wallets and can earn money um, from passengers by driving them around as a taxi service. But then the money is not owned by a company. It's actually you know, stored in a wallet buried inside the engine block to make it difficult to, like, break open the car and steal the money. And then the idea is that the car can, like, decide using some element of AI um, how does it spend that money? So it can decide it wants to spend it on maintenance and on fuel and on upgrades and repairs or maybe even migrating to another city looking for work, for example, if it's a sort of autonomous vehicle and it can see there's more demand over there than supply, so it migrates and, yeah. you know, like like a person would looking for work and then potentially even doing a crowdfunding 
smart contract with other vehicles until it raises enough money to purchase a new robot from the, the, the factory. And so like a new car would roll off the production line and then have its brain implanted from its parents and it would then go off and like be the child. And, oh my gosh. Uh, pay back the cost of its construction because it starts in debt basically and then it like earns over its lifetime and it pays back its own cost of construction. And you, mm-hmm. you would have like populations of these autonomous embedded Whoa. AIs growing and shrinking um, according to supply and demand. So these ideas make for good conference talks. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, it's so interesting. I'm not sure that there's much near-term applicability of these things. Um, something a bit more practical uh, is perhaps door locks. Um, and that's that's an IoT use case, not AI. Sorry, you asked about AI, but um, it's okay. I'm just as interested. Okay, so this is fine. <laughs> um, so one of the ideas I researched uh, as part of being in Bitcoin was this concept called smart property. Well, that's what I call it. I like putting the word smart in front of things. Um, <laughs> and the idea of smart property was it's a physical object that has a connection to the Bitcoin blockchain mm-hmm. uh, with an embedded microcontroller. So again, that's sort of IoT related. Um, mm-hmm. And it understands when it's been sold. So it can, um, if you have a house, for example, with a door lock that's on the on the blockchain and the, 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 the house was sold or you fell behind on your mortgage payments or whatever, then it could actually like lock you out automatically based on like its knowledge of whether you've made payments. And this, for something like a house, you wouldn't do that because it's so rare for a house to be repossessed that um, you would want a human in the loop. There's no real benefit to automating that. But there are use cases where it is better. Like, um, uh, for example, um, if you take out a loan secured by your car, for example. So again, the idea is you have like a computer. you, You take the engine control computer, which is usually very hard to get to. Um, and then upgrade it with some software that speaks a uh, blockchain protocol, speaks a quarter protocol or Bitcoin protocol or whatever, then you could say, um, I want to um, sell my car like temporarily or like take out a loan secured against the value of my car mm-hmm. such that if I don't make my repayments in time, then the car will like won't start for me anymore. It will only start for repossessor, repossessor um, what's the name of these people who repossess vehicles and things? I can't remember. I don't have a car. Um, <laughs> well, you don't have a car and I don't work in finance. So now we, we both sound really stupid now. Right? <laughs> yeah. We're um, just talking about a lot of things yeah, we don't I, know. Uh, yeah, so the, um, the, the guy would come and collect it basically and, and pick up the vehicle and drive it off and so it could be sold. Or even even more, the, the possession would change to someone who you know gave the loan and then they could sell it online such that the new owner can come along and pick it up and that means you can borrow against the value of your car in this totally decentralized global debt market you don't need the banks to be involved anymore for example mm-hmm. uh, and you know you could you could do that um, with someone on the other side of the world who's never met you because they trust and and you can prove it with various protocols they trust that the, the car itself will enforce the terms of the loan mm-hmm. um, so you, you know the that, that you, you can do these sorts of interesting things but the, the only ideas I can ever come up with for how these things work um, yeah, are usually a little bit sci-fi sounding. Um, I uh, hate to disappoint any listeners or hoping otherwise we don't have any plans right now to do AI or IoT yeah. related integrations. That's a little bit too buzzy, uh, even even for me and even for us, I think. Buzzy. Yeah, I am uh, very mainstream. I literally think of AI as, oh, what's that? Uh, what's the robot's name? The famous one? Lucy? <laughs> I was going to say the Terminator. <laughs> we clearly watch different movies. Um, no, no, that one that's like now she has the clear head and she has like you can, <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I sound like a weirdo. I'll get up a picture. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember. She like goes on stage and, ta- and gives talks. 
Oh, she does? No, I don't. Yeah, know. she's cool. I think, that, yeah, I mean, so people always think when they hear AI, they think of I, robots look Sophia. like Sophia. Her name is Sophia. Oh, Sophia. Okay, I don't know that. I'm going to show you. Oh, I can't turn my computer. Okay, don't, don't worry about it. I, I um, won't break the podcast. The, um... Yeah, yeah, I'm the, very the, I, uh, I the, the should use, think more out of the box. Yeah, so the use cases <laughs> for AI I tend to see are more like um, so in this in this blockchain and AI talk, which you know I may well give again, and we can record it and put it somewhere at some point. Um, the use case I focused on is automatically scaling up a business. So let's say that you are setting a chain coffee shops, and um, you know you 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 somehow you come up with a great brand of coffee or something, and people really like your little shop, and you would like to take on Starbucks. Well, you know um, I'm not actually a coffee drinker myself, so um, I can't comment on the quality of like Starbucks versus Costa Coffee. But if you look yeah. at these two companies, they were both founded in exactly the same year. They were both founded in 1971, I think. And for the first eight or nine years, neither really did very much. They were just a little shop, one or two stores, um, you know, in their home cities. And then at some point, they started growing really fast and opening more stores. Mm-hmm. And um, Starbucks is much larger. They opened, uh, they're on like 21,000 stores or something like that. And Costa Coffee is only at, I don't know, seven or 8,000. I've got the numbers in this talk. And basically what you realize uh, researching the history of these companies is that the, the, you know, these companies are not really coffee companies. They are uh, logistics companies in effect, right? They are extremely mm-hmm. good at scaling their operations extremely rapidly. And that's kind of why they won. I mean, and I, I'm a, I have a Starbucks loyalty card. I am a big fan of the company. I spend a lot of time working there, <laughs> but um, working from there, I should say. My secret life is a secret life is a Starbucks barista. Um, uh, but ultimately, you know, why should you know? It's so difficult to create these these large brands, and yet the work is so mechanical. Why shouldn't this be automated by an AI? So you should be able to take your store and say, it's making money. Uh, Buy a buy a product like Franchise 2000 or something that then via like blockchain technologies or like quarter and via flows and things and businesses that are on the quarter network um, acquire land you know register subsidiaries um, set up supply chains mm-hmm. um, you know uh, do all the ordering so all of the branding materials and things turn up and then automate a lot of this middle management work it would otherwise require you to fo- spend all of your time focused on hiring and you know, standards compliance and making sure that everyone was doing the right thing. You should just be able to say, I have a successful business, replicate it. And that, you know, we can see a path to that with Corda and AI and these sorts of technologies. It's not completely infeasible. I suspect the resulting software, people might say, that's not AI, that's just clever software, because that's always what happens with AI. The moment moment it works well, people stop thinking about it as if it's intelligent, it's just (laughs) another program. But um, you you can see that, you know, automation of business in that way might be quite interesting. Yeah, that's a really good example. Um, wow, this this has been a great conversation. Did you did you hit all your points? Your AI, IoT, all that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just throw out random things like R two D two. I didn't. Yeah, seven, I didn't really have nine. any pre planned points. So um. I, know, I know we really just winged this. It was good. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming into the studio. I will see you at Corticon. Great. Well, I'll see you there too. And I hope to see many of our listeners. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Life in the Fast Chain. I've officially put myself on a ban from saying the word interesting and will be holding myself accountable from this moment on. Catch you next time. Be sure to share the podcast and let me know what you think about Life in the Fast Chain on Twitter or LinkedIn. Links to both are in the episode details.